she's so fine I'm gonna try and try till I make her mine Fall down, way down to the angel Men been making rhyme Talking about their sweet young thing A man them dudes was blind Ain't no spring chicken Nice one from Juke Joint Johnny's. That was Mama Lion. Before that, the war on drugs brought us holding on, and it was Los Lobos with the Fat Man. You're listening to Undercurrents. I'm Gabriela. Laura Marling is coming up in just a minute. You are listening to KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM, K282BH Philomath on 104.3 FM, and K220HR Hood River on 91.9 FM. KBOO is hiring a full-time web coordinator. The web coordinator maintains the front end of KBOO's website, promotes episodes, does copy editing, and helps train staff and volunteers on various website features. For the full job description and instructions for applying, please go to our website at kboo.fm forward slash webhire23. Applications are due at midnight on Thursday, March 9th. KBOO is an equal opportunity and affirmative action employer. Thank you for tuning in to KBOO Community Radio during this special programming campaign, All Thrills, No Frills, Volume 2. This February and March, you will hear different marathons and series, all brought to you by our talented programmers, including specials like Women's History Month. If you'd like to help KBOO reach our $17,000 goal by March 25th, go to kboo.fm slash give or text KBOO to to the number 44321 right now. We thank you and you're welcome.
Hello and welcome to Pathways, where you are invited to join me for a visit with leaders in personal development and cultural evolution. This is your host, Paul O'Brien. Now, before we get to the program today, don't forget that we're in the middle of the All Thrills, No Frills fundraising drive focused on bringing you themed days of special programming. To support programming like the upcoming International Women's Day shows, go to kboo.fm slash give or text kboo44321 to become a monthly sustaining member today. We need your support. That's the only way that shows like Pathways can stay on the air. So please help us out. Go to kboo.fm slash give. Okay. Now, today we're going to talk about domestication, what it means to domesticate or to be domesticated. We usually think of animals trained to live with humans when we use the term domestication, but our guest today suggests that our own disconnection from nature, our own domestication, has been leading us away from the true nature of our wild souls and towards trauma. She points out that the terms rewild and undomesticated have made their way into the modern day vernacular as evidence we are trying to reclaim the innate wildness within. Our guest is Ren Hurst, author of the book, The Wisdom of Wildness, Healing the Trauma of Domestication. Ren is an author, mentor, tracker, and guide who helps people address the trauma of domestication, including their own. After 20 years of being a professional horsewoman, Ren has produced an approach called Sanctuary 13 to help people restore connection to their most authentic, wild human animal nature. Ren lives in the Pacific Northwest. Well, hello, Ren, and welcome to the Pathway Show. Hello, Paul. Thank you for having me. Well, this is a pretty radical book that you've written here. And before we get into the substance, uh, can you please give us an idea of how you personally came to understand the dynamics of domestication and its relationship to traumatization? It wasn't my intention, I can tell you that much. Um, at the end of the day, I, at, in the beginning of this, I just wanted to be the best horse trainer I could possibly be. And I was following all of the leading edge, more esoteric approaches to how do we work with these animals in a way that is less dominating and less controlling. And what I found is that as I got more masterful in my ability to gain cooperation with these animals, my control just became more subtle and more energetic, but still deeply dysfunctional. And that combined with outside pursuits and heartbreak led me to the realization that I was actually becoming more insidiously destructive in my relationships, especially with the animals, but in also my personal relationships because of the manipulation going on underneath the surface. So when I completely ceased doing that and started applying a different approach that did not involve manipulation or any unnecessary control and took into account power dynamics between a guardian and a captive dependent, and started asking for cooperation from a place of personal responsibility rather than how can I use this animal to get some perceived need of my own met. What happened as a result of that is the animal became more emotionally mature, 
more able to have a conversation without systems of reward and punishment. And I had in front of me, as a result of all of that, a fully embodied, emotionally mature animal that provided a model for my own emotional healing. And how I put all that together and saw that, I don't know, anyone's guess is as good as mine. But when I started being in my body to be in relationship with these animals, that's what made me understand the nature of trauma as emotional development rather than an event or something that happens to us. And I was surrounded by all of these animals that I could bring into that more emotionally mature state. And it, there was just no way to not see it anymore. It's it's very tangible, practically applied, and it makes it impossible to lie to ourselves about the nature of what we do by bringing you know, animals into captivity and then exploiting them for our own use. Well, if we don't bring them into captivity, like take horses, for instance, how on earth can we have an active relationship with them? Well, you can't, but when you become emotionally mature, you no longer desire to, and that's the thing. <laughs> so humans don't get personally involved with horses anymore if they give up this domestication process? It's a process, so it's not as black and white as that, but I will say when the human animal becomes emotionally mature, the desire to create captive dependency is completely gone because the nature of desiring to create, create captive dependency is not coming from an emotionally healthy place. Okay, well, that's, that's fascinating, you know, because we think of our relationship with animals and pets and especially horses, you know, as being a, a, a kind of a, a necessary thing in the evolution of, of, of civilization. But before I go there, and I want to talk about that, uh, the, the, the relationship between domestication and, and the development of human civilization, um, you use a term called learned helplessness that the mm -hmm. whole domestication process depends on. Can you describe that for us? Sure. Learned helplessness is, you know, someone that is within a set of parameters that consistently is demonstrably shown that their voice is not going to be heard fully or acknowledged fully, accepts reality at some point. And whether they have the contrast to see more as possible or not is kind of irrelevant. Almost everyone walking around is in some state of learned helplessness just by the limitations of their own belief systems and the lack of connection to a more infinite reality. Yeah, it seems to me that few of us have actually stayed free from another's use and purpose. It's kind of the way that we're brought up. Um, I agree. For longer than we've known, he's <laughs> even... I mean, I don't know where this originated, but it's longer than we have um, a historical account of, that's for sure. Right. Can you imagine? Okay, a historical account is only 5,000 years old. We we didn't figure out how to write until 5,000 years ago, which was kind of the beginning of civilization. Um, what Can you posit what it was like before that? Was there ever a time not in human history because it was never written down but was there a time in human evolution when we did not domesticate animals or each other as a form of parenting it's hard to say but it doesn't exist in the wilderness it only exists among men so you know we 
began domesticating wolves um, at least 12,000 years ago. So it's at least that old. Um, before that, I have no idea. doesn't really matter when it originated. I just know what the reverse process looks like and how incredible it has been for my own personal development um, in terms of how I operate within myself and within the world in a way that I couldn't even comprehend was possible before this. And can you describe that? I mean, can how is it different for you now? Having complete emotional agency, um, not being at the mercy of anything outside of oneself, having internal control, no matter what you're faced with or what situation you're in. Um, judgment, for example, is an indication of a lack of emotional development. Judgment is a projection of a need we don't know how to meet um, to self-regulate our nervous system. And so having judgment replaced with discernment and being able to navigate one's life with discernment and energetic awareness is just the most empowering like form of freedom I've ever experienced. And to be free of the suffering of whatever traumas we have faced in our early development is just an incredible place to inhabit. So this, would you call that a return to your wildness? to, as you put it, your original skin? Um, how I define wildness is just um, having the full capacity to be in direct relationship with the entire spectrum of emotion as information rather than, you know, something you avoid or move towards to, <laughs> for whatever reason. We have a very dysfunctional relationship to emotion because capitalism is built upon the ability to manipulate emotion. Um, emotionally mature humans do not make good consumers. <laughs> well, that that makes sense. I mean, that's what advertising is all about, right? Thank goodness we don't have to put up with that here on KBOO. Um, but um, so you write that a rewilding of our planet is underway, carried forth by those courageous enough to peel back the layers of their own conditioning. So other than your own personal case, where is the evidence for this? In different people bringing different modalities and techniques and, you know, healing things to the world that involve a return to a more natural human animal state. So you've got people out there in the somatic world, you've got people in the health and nutrition world, movement of all like capacity is being brought to the forefront as a healing um, way of returning to the body and learning how to self-regulate. And all of those things are radically important and useful and really like potent in a world where we have so much information coming at us that is coming from an unnatural place. Our bodies are all we need to navigate the emotional reality of our lives with what's in front of us, but then add technology and phones and screens and we need a little bit of help. So that's when, you know, a lot of these breath work practices and all of these other things that are really, you know, becoming more popular now are really helpful and useful. And at the end of the day, we still have to learn how to stay in our body and feel all of our feelings. And most people run from fear and pain. And so my work is largely about learning how to have an intimate relationship with fear and pain as sensation, as teacher, as information, and learning how to navigate that instead of avoid it at all costs. Right, right. You know, you talk about using pain and discomfort as a guiding force in our lives, and that doesn't sound like a very attractive game plan for most people. 
which is why most people will become undomesticated, unfortunately. And that's why our civilization is on the brink of collapse. It's amazing. I mean, it's kind of an indictment of civilization as a whole. I mean, there's a correlation between domestication and what we call civilization, is there not? Yes. I wonder what it would, I mean, is it too late? I mean, we're, we're on a very crowded planet. We're very dependent upon each other. We're considered social animals. Everybody believes that. Do you believe that we're a social animal, that we are dependent on each other? I think that the way that is framed is through the lens of domestication and wildly misunderstood. Um, we, society, we, we thrive societally, but we heal individually and we become emotionally mature individually. Our relationship to emotion is a deeply personal information system of animal flesh as conduit for more internal guidance. And so sure, we're social, but what most people are speaking to with like humans need connection, humans need whatever, that's a disconnected human speaking from a place of fear and a disconnect from soul as far as I'm concerned. But you asked if it's too late. I don't think it's too late, but for the very reason that you named just previously, most people would rather be comfortable than embrace pain. And I don't have a lot of hope that things will change, but it's definitely possible if enough humans will become emotionally mature enough to return to a symbiotic relationship to the natural world rather than a dominant one. And in your case, I mean, you had close relationships with horses for, I don't know, 10 years or more. Um, and you and. certainly, uh-huh. And you certainly had uh, very close relationships with at least a couple dogs uh, that you uh, bring up in the book. Um, do you regret any of that? Or was that like a necessary part of your uh, evolving understanding to go through that? What are your feelings about those relationships that you had with your dogs, for instance. They're beautiful. I still have 33 animals in my care from my past, so there's no avoiding that responsibility. Um, the desire to create it and perpetuate it is gone. Um, but the nature of having a beautiful, healthy, uh, appropriate power dynamic with animals is a, a beautiful thing. I love having relationships with animals. I just no longer need them to feel okay in the world or to regulate my, my internal world through the, you know, dependent in my care. It's a deeply dysfunctional relationship to use a dependent in your care for your own emotional regulation. They literally depend on you to model that for them to be healthy. There is a reason one in two dogs dies of cancer and 75% or more of them have anxiety disorders because people are literally using them to feel okay instead of learning how to feel at all. Are you against pet ownership at this point? I'm not against anything. I believe in cause and effect, not right or wrong. So do I think it's beneficial to a more sustainable future? Absolutely not. Um, but there's a difference between pet ownership and taking care of the animals that already exist and being responsible for them. And how would you define that difference? Well, the literal definition of pet is an animal kept for um, pleasure or entertainment. Um, that's not my role in my animals' lives. The animals in my care are there for me to care for. And I learn from the unconditional nature of the way I care for them. And they teach me how to be a better human all the time just by taking care of them. And um, I don't need to perpetuate that. And I certainly don't want to continue breeding or creating animals that 
need to be kept in captivity. Um, but this is a very long process of change and evolution within our species to move away from that. We couldn't just black and white shift out of that overnight. Oh, for sure. And there's people who have very codependent relationships with their animals. I, I like what you wrote. Um, and I see your book as a kind of a manual for personal uh, emotional work or or psychotherapy for humans on themselves because you know that's I think we've all been domesticated uh, or most yeah. of us um, and this kind of uh, this is a quote from your book that kind of points to that it says pets are kept to fulfill an emotional support role regardless of whether they've been trained or cer certified to do so a dependent depends on their primary caregiver to model emotional regulation not use them for it they cannot bear the weight of such a burden in any sort of sustainable way so this kind of speaks to the suffering of our pets um, who we depend upon for emotional support and it's see it all over the place i mean that's what pets are all about right yeah and most people can't recognize it because we're just so deeply ingrained to see emotion differently than what the purpose of emotion is actually for within the body. Um, and so people think that their pets are happy and, and whatever, and they are very accepting. They live in their bodies. They don't have a story of resistance that keeps them suffering per se, but they do pay the consequence by not being able to feel and process their emotion fully. And it ends up being disease and, you know, a very shorter lifespan. Now, it would seem to me, and this is an, I'm going to extrapolate a little bit here and see what you have to say about this. It would seem to me that what romantic love is a process of mutual domestication. That is absolutely accurate, and that is what book number three will be about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. I, you know, that occurred, you never say that in the book, but that occurred to me. Isn't that what's going on here? It's like, we're teaching somebody to be dependent on us and, and so that they never leave us and they provide us emotional support and vice versa, you know, with this whole idea that there's one perfect partner and, and we got to find that person and then everything is going to work out. But that person is somebody who we train to make us feel better and they train us to make them feel better. That's yeah. going to be an, that's going to be an interesting book. I, I'm really looking forward to that because I found in your book, I thought you were super profound. I've done, in this show, I've been the host for 37, 38 years. I've interviewed so many counselors and therapists and different modalities, uh, including some very big names and including, you know, all kinds of people. And so I kind of like him, you know, I have a wide overview of, of these kinds of things. And I thought that your book, uh, when it gets right down to the sanctuary 13 was so profound when it comes to personal uh, self-discovery and uh, psychological um, and spiritual development. And I was very grateful for that. Um, and it's interesting that you can tell that story in the context of pet ownership, etc. But what was interesting, you had a pet, you had a dog, a beloved dog, that was out, you know, uh, that died and it was really hard for you. Um, I, I don't imagine you are cultivating relationships like that anymore with animals, I mean. 
not codependently. I still have dogs in my care and um, I'm happy to provide a home for dogs just out of obligation because I obviously have the skill set to give them an emotionally sovereign life, which is special within captivity. Um, and they're here. They're all, they're going to be here until we have a radical shift in consciousness. And so I don't know if I'll ever be free of um, being a guardian to animals, but I no longer desire to you know, put myself in that position if I can easily avoid it. <laughs> now, I thought it was very interesting about what you talk about baby talk, you know, and people talk <laughs> baby talk to their animals, to their dogs, but they also talk baby talk to their lovers and to their, you <laughs> yeah. know, boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. Um, and you say, quote, the energy behind baby talk is a lot more harmful than most people realize and that the underlying motivation behind it is driven by trauma. Can you speak to that? Yeah, so what drives baby talk is the the gap in our own emotional development from a much earlier age where we weren't seen and we weren't, you know, accepted fully and unconditionally. And we project that and we often project it only with those that we feel really safe with, like a pet or a child or a lover. Now with another autonomous human of a similar power dynamic is it harmful no it's just exposing you if you know what it is but with a child or any dependent um or an animal dependent you are projecting energy onto them that keeps them dysregulated as well and so a really good example of this is when people get home from work and they need their dog to be excited that they're home and they need to, they need the dog to be excited to see them and they'll be like oh, i'm so glad to see you or whatever it is and they they literally like get a positive impact of seeing the dog's excitement that dog is dysregulated excitement is anxiety with a positive spin and when we do that is it a bad thing no but it's a dysfunctional thing and it keeps both parties in a dysregulated state and it's just a very temporary immediate instant gratification of a little bit of feel good instead of learning how to have a proper mature relationship to emotion which is much more subtle than what we're used to and deeply about being informed from the inside out uh -huh. Now, in your book, you've got what you call the Sanctuary 13, which is a pathway of 13 principles of intention and attention as a guide for transformation. I found that to be very profound, and it just relates to everybody beyond the world of, of, of animal relationships. And I'm just going to mention a few of them. Love is not a transaction. Okay. That's a, <laughs> that's a, a really useful thing to remember. Be willing to meet your own needs. Remember to play. Drop the story. And then, of course, ultimately feel it all. Um, and I think that's like what's really the hardest thing for people is to feel it all. Um, why are we so afraid of feelings? Because our entire reality has brought us up to move away from pain so that we can be controlled as good little consumers. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a really good way to put it. You know, it's like I'm going to end. Uh, we, we, we're coming to the end here. And I want to end with a couple of quotes that sort of extol the value of being human and being able to have these kind of awarenesses that you are facilitating in, in your incredible book. And you write, to be human is the most incredible opportunity imaginable. To be a fully connected, intrinsically guided animal who also has the self-awareness and intellectual capacity 
to deliberately create from an expanded awareness is not something to be ashamed of to the con to the contrary and then you write my integrity with an embodiment of this work came through one key change in my life i stopped living for others including the animals and began making my relationship to my own soul the number one priority and relationship in my life trusting that if i did so everything else would fall into place wow that's so beautiful I, uh, I i can't wait for your next book to come out because uh you you are a profound teacher and uh there's so much more we could explore today but we've pretty much run out of time is there anything you'd like to share with the audience in closing here sure um the best way if anyone reads the book and would like support and help um i don't hold hands and i don't make other people feel safe but i will meet people where they're willing to meet themselves so i set up a nonprofit called wild wisdom incorporated and that is now the vehicle for sanctuary 13 and i teach a little class every sunday morning on one principle a week and i'm just there to answer questions and provide my own personal experience in a very unfiltered raw texan wren kind of way just to make sure that nobody's confused i'm not a fucking guru <laughs> it's like i'm just here practicing my own work and um, have my own patterns and conditioning and just want to lend some support to people that would like to find their own wild nature again and uh, have a model for what it means to stay in the body no matter what well thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your learning with the rest of us uh, today on pathways uh, there's so much more we could explore but we have run out of time and i want to make sure to tell our listeners about your website and i assume they can get uh, a link to the the, the program you just uh, talked about and that's www dot render me wild dot com render me wild all one word dot com now for those who may have tuned into pathways late today this is your host paul o'brien author of intuitive intelligence a book that shares the theme of pathways which is personal and cultural evolution and don't worry you can play and or share this interview whenever you want via the internet or as a free podcast, and I'll tell you how in a minute. Today we've been visiting with Ren Hurst, author of The Wisdom of Wildness, Healing the Trauma of Domestication. And I want to say thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to Pathways, which is broadcast and streamed on the internet at www.kboo.fm every Sunday morning by Donald Altman or myself at 8.30 USA Pacific Time. An even better podcast of today's show, which you can listen to and forward to others, are available for free at divination.com. And that's spelled D-I-V-I nation.com, as well as via iTunes, Paulo's YouTube channel, and other free podcast servers. This is Paul O'Brien reminding you to tell your friends about Pathways Radio and Podcasts. Now remember, this is our pledge drive. Please help KBO reach our $17,000 All Thrills, No Frills special programming campaign goal by showing your support today at kboo.fm slash give or by texting KBOO to 44321. Every donation is necessary and appreciated, and we thank you. And we thank Ren Hurst, and all of you listeners for tuning in. You are listening 
to KBOO, Portland, Oregon, 90.7 FM on your Portland dial, KBOO.FM on your everywhere on earth internet dial. Stay safe, stay sane, stay tuned.